Welcome back to In The Loop, a WordPress agency podcast by Blackbird Digital. I'm Corey Hugert, and in this episode, Phil Hoyt and I interview Frank Klein, founder of and educator at WPDevelopment.Courses and principal engineer at Human Made. We talk about some considerations for WordPress at scale and how that affects architectural choices, how WordPress as a project is or is not keeping up with modern industry standards, and why you might consider using the site editor for your next enterprise client. If you have questions about WordPress website development, contributing, or anything else web-related that you'd like to hear us discuss, send an email to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as inloop underscore WP. Blackbird Digital is a web and app development agency that specializes in WordPress, creating on-screen experiences that connect, teach, communicate, and inspire. Visit blackbird.digital for more information. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, folks, to another uh, episode of In The Loop. This is our first interview of the year. I have with us today, first of all, uh, Phil. Hello. Hey. And uh, also, the person we have uh, here interviewing is Frank Klein. Uh, he's the founder and educator of WPDevelopment.Courses, a site for training companies in WordPress and learning about developing block themes, uh, as well as a principal engineer at the enterprise WordPress agency, Human Made. Welcome, Frank. Hello, Juan. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much for uh, being on the show. So just... Uh, just as a bit of an icebreaker, why don't you, you know, we, we know like your bona fides here, but like, how did you get started in WordPress? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so actually by, by trade or by education, I'm a print designer. So that's what I learned uh, for the university degree in visual arts. And I came out to what I during the years that uh, I like to call it the, the Obama recession, <laughs> even though, you know, it wasn't, wasn't his work, but <laughs> then I came out and print was just dead. Yeah. I mean, dead. And so um, I did an internship at an agency, unpaid, of course. And this was a like a full, they called it a 360 degree marketing agency. And I was there doing print and some web design. And then the boss said, because uh, I talked to him, hey, you know, do you want to hire me? He said, no, you know, I don't need any more designers. Mm-hmm. But what I do need is a project manager because uh, in Luxembourg, we have uh, three official languages. And so it's quite rare that. Uh, you know, all the people that speak all of these plus then English, uh, because a lot of our workforce actually are foreign, like they cross the board every day from France, Belgium, and Germany. Mm-hmm. So I need a multilingual guy over in here. And he said to me, if you go back to university and get a degree, I will hire you. So, so okay. Then I did another two years, got a degree in project management. And then I worked in that and I was super miserable. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy the work. Which I weirdly enough didn't think about before. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I should have probably you know have been more investigative, but that was more you know somebody needs to hire me, so right. whatever it takes. And um, also the pay wasn't good. Uh, and so the thing is that when I when I was at uh, that point, I said I need to switch careers. So what do I go to? So I make an analysis and I say, okay, web design is where it's at, like the internet, you know, so it's growing. And I looked at who makes the most, and that's the programmers. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, you know, 
starting to be a problem now. <laughs> so I bought a book on PHP, again, because it was the most popular language. <laughs> so I Googled it, you know, PHP. I'm okay. like, okay, let's do PHP. And yeah, then obviously when you do PHP and you look for a CMS, you land on WordPress. Yeah, um, right. So classic case. And I did that inside of the agency. I actually was the, the WordPress guy. They didn't use it before. They used something else, uh, Easy Publish, which probably nobody ever heard of. Mm-hmm. Also PHP based from some guys in Norway. But uh, yeah, just way down the enterprise lane. So, and I did, um, I did WordPress there. And then I said to myself, you know, hey, uh, I don't want to go to an office anymore. So I looked for a remote company <laughs> with the remote company and like WordPress space is obviously automatic. So I landed over there and then uh, went to VIP and then you and made, and that's really my whole story. There we like go. Everything that I did in the 11 years since I, I bought that PHP book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You went straight to like the, the heavy hitters, like right <laughs> after a PHP book. That's pretty, <laughs> go straight to the source. You're well targeted. Well, the thing is that, um, you know, it's good because uh, actually when, when you look at just WordPress, uh, because I was a designer, I had an affinity for themes, obviously. You know? mm-hmm. uh, write me a plugin. Oh, yeah, okay. If you want to plug in, okay. But themes was really where I was at. And so um, at that time, I think it was 2013, that was right about being developed. So, yeah, I contributed to that and then also 2014. And that's kind of what, what put me on the radar mm. of like the, the WordPress.com theme team. That's where I landed. Right. So, yeah, it wasn't really like I had this big magic plan to, to get hired. It just worked out. You know, that was the goal and try to get close to the company in the best way that I, that I could because I looked up Lance Willett. He was uh, there. And so, yeah, that's how I landed there. Hmm. I understand that you also um, built the first block theme for the repository. Is that right? Uh, it's, it was the second one, but the first <laughs> real one, because um, Abby, oh, I forgot his name, sorry. But there was one before, but that was more kind of a proof of concept. So I don't want to, you know, bash whoever created it, but it was clearly not uh, like a, a visually appealing theme, and that wasn't really what it was meant for, just, hey, you can do this. And so um, my theme was Bosco, which I created in 2014 for WordPress.com. And for me, the challenge was was kind of more of a bet or a challenge because I was reading all of this, oh, well, full site editing, you cannot do this, you cannot do that, blah, blah, blah. I said, look, I'm going to take something which is there, 2014, you know, it's, it's an existing theme. I'm just going to keep the design, but I'm going to switch all of the technology. And so that worked pretty well. So, uh, yeah, point proven in that sense. It's not the most, you know, when you look at the theme, it was really just meant for my own personal blog, so just a writing theme. But yeah, that was uh, the first official one in the, in the repository, yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. Maybe we should just start there, right? Let's start with blocks and themes, since we're already talking about them, right? So pardon me for asking, I suppose, agency to agency, heart to heart here, but is, is human-made doing, um, you know, full site, you know, aka block themes for for client sites right now well that's a yes and no and that's part of kind of the problem of how how you talk about full set editing so when you read about full set editing it's presented as this like monolithic feature mm-hmm. right you have to do a blog theme but i look at full set editing more as several features that in the entirety they make up block themes like at the very end but it's more scale so we don't use the site editor yet, but I mean, nothing that is out there. Uh, we are building with it though in, in a project we are working on. 
But the thing is more full site editing is kind of the last phase in customization in the sense that it is really full page building in a sense. And that has a long tradition at human made. I mean, since 2018, we've been doing that. It's just the tools we use are different because back then you didn't have the site edit. It was right. only a block editor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but full on, uh, full on block theme, no. Uh, the reason just, uh, the reason for that is just when we kind of, when we design a solution, we always take, let's say the, the most straightforward approach. And if there's no benefit to it, then we're not going to do it. So if we say, hey, we can get to the outcome that we want by doing something which is, you know, traditional PHP for all of these these pages that you never customize, like a category, you know. Usually that's something which you do just once. You do it for a certain model. Often it's not even mocked up, right? It's just like these transitionary pages. But uh, then there's a whole set of other pages, which are, I call them landing pages. Uh, so that can be anything from the homepage to particular section pages to marketing pages like throw, and it's not a throwaway, but temporary pages that the marketing people like to do. Mm-hmm. And then of course it's all, you know, full page building for the most part. Yes. So when you say, yeah, full page, you, you just mean, you know, you create a page, you're presented with the Gutenberg, you know, page editor and just everything in there is for the most part, what you're seeing on the, on the homepage, maybe aside from, navigation bar at the top and footer at the bottom kind of kind of deal yeah correct okay so that's what uh, but it has evolved a lot because uh, when we started out uh, the tooling wasn't there i can't remember when we got like columns and stuff but in the very mm-hmm. early days it was just paragraph image stuff like that mm-hmm. yep. so the, the way that we did it were all these custom blocks which were module based so call to action block had then a field for the image had a field for the header so very much how you would do it kind of in the olden days mm-hmm. with meta boxes, just now in the editor, the end result. Uh, and you really, I mean, you really stack the blocks. It would stack bricks, right? Like one on top yep. of the other, very linear. And now it has evolved more to, to the point where we do very little custom blocks usually. And when it is a custom block, it's much more for we need to integrate this tool or that tool. So now it's really page building in the sense that you would imagine page building you know, really just stacking these, you know, pre-made modules one on top of each other. And that works, now it works really well because um, we recently, I think it was last year, end of last year, we redid a site that we did in 2019, I think. And we were really having these, you know, call to action blocks that we built back then and said, we were just going to remove them because, you know, what it is, is an image and a text and a button. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So no need to do a custom block anymore. So that was great, a great experience to see. That's awesome. Yeah, I think internally we're, we are at an RHC, we often call those hybrid themes because we're still kind of using a, an older school scaffolding with a lot of PHP in it. And often our header and footer are maybe more static or PHP based. And then all of the stuff in the middle is, yeah, block based. And, you know, we've been doing block themes for a handful of years also. And yeah, very much those first few were, a lot of custom blocks. I think actually ACF actually enabled us to kind of do those a lot faster for a while there. And then, yeah, kind of big giant sections that allowed us to make our content a lot more flexible than it was in the past. I would actually even re- more recently, now that you can kind of just uh, you know use a PHP tag to throw a block template anywhere, um, the whole entire footer seemingly seems to have gone to the way to blocks. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, every day we stray further from php's <laughs> path and towards the well, full site well, there was that sort of incremental like thing that happened even even for us with 
you know like footer stuff right like yeah um completely php with with the you know classic um you know menus and stuff like that and then and then there were and then they blockified the widgets the widget area um, yep. so then like okay well the kind of we're using widgets already to kind of build some of the footer stuff so that worked out and we kind of pulled back on explicitly like how the the footer you know needs to be laid out as such and kind of gave gave a little bit back to the the, the blocks in that case and then um and now we're now we're at you know block templates <laughs> yeah so you mentioned a little bit earlier you know you don't have any full site uh you know site editor sites in production currently per se uh, and it sounds like you're making those decisions based off of the requirements of the project which is also what we do what would what would a design have to come through um your vision to basically determine that it was eligible for uh the site editor versus a more php uh, uh route well, I think that once you get to the point where you only have the header and the footer, it's just a, a decision to put the PHP header into a block and then you're off to the side editor. Sure. So yeah. that's kind of the point which we have been skipping, but uh, that's definitely more the next one up that we're doing. It's just, uh, it's not really a design question so much in a sense that it's more, it's kind of when you, when you build, when you have different projects, uh, some are very... It's rare, but some are very fixed, right? You know, you're building this and it's never going to change. So for those, should we do the site edit? It's like, yeah, no, like we're just going to do the normal PHP. But the, I think the, the more you go to, or the more you work with marketing departments, the more you're going to go down, you know, the, the site editor route. Mm -hmm. And then when we talk about design, it's often that you are not, like you have a design for the overall content areas, so, you know, the, the classic stuff. And then you have all of these landing pages and often those have are like a different design because you don't have the same header, you don't have the same footer. The width might be different. We might not have two columns. So the, the things that you build out for that are gonna be different to the rest. So in that sense, it's a decision, do I, do I make myself the work to split it out? Because you definitely can have the same site editor with, you know, two different sets of tools to work with. Or do you say, I'm gonna keep the one part just classic building with the block editor as we know it, and then just the other stuff, that's then the full-on site editor. So, I mean, for our, for our web page, so you made a website, or the site editor, that's definitely going to be next, because if you look at the design, you know, it's always when you talk about designs, like you, you need to be careful what you say, but it's a beautiful design, but it's something that you could very well do with what you have. And sure. that's kind of yeah. more the point. It's very... Um, I think that's kind of the, the difference when we talk about okay, what does a WordPress agency do? I think at the point that we are now, if you bring the agency in at the point where design is already finished and has been sold and has been signed off by the gazillion people that need to have an opinion on it, and then you say, hey, let's build this stuff, I think that needs to change to, towards you know, the agency being much more early in the process. Mm -hmm. um, so at UMA, we don't have, we do have a designer or two, I can't remember, I think one. Uh, but that's more for the for internal stuff. We don't really sell design to our clients through in-house designers, but we have partners. And I think that's the, the better way to go. If they are in-house, like even better, you know, but if you have partners, that's also a good way to to make sure that the design and kind of also the, the technology uh, fits. Right. So I think that's just uh, something that we need to change as a as a community. They saw, you know, 
oh, I designed something and I drop it at the door of, you know, an ever-changing cast of freelancers and then it's going to be awesome. Uh, I think that has a, a time limit on it, to be honest. For sure. Yeah, it's interesting. That's something we battle all time where, you know, a lot of stakeholders have their hands all over the project before it maybe gets to technology. And then, you know, a lot of decisions um, have already been made. So you kind of are, um, you know, relegated maybe to a specific path to how you build out something. So um, I was mainly curious because, yeah, I just recently had identified a design that I thought would be full site editor compatible. And I have just started going down that path of the last couple of weeks. And, um, it's been an interesting process so far. Um, and I was wondering if I may, I could steal your knowledge, <laughs> make sure I made the right decision, but it sounds like we're all still trying to figure it out. No, I think it's more so. If you have been in the design world, it's both a blessing and a curse. But if you, if you look at print design, it's, we call it design. It's very much, for me, it's a craft. You know, whether you're a carpenter or print designer, you know, is there that much of a difference? Like, you know, in my view, it's much more craft in the sense that you you have this canvas, you know it's limited, you know that printing stuff costs money, so you're not going to go overboard with all the stuff, right? So it's very much you're taking all these decisions, um, which are very technical. So like I did a lot of lettering, like when you, you know, put stuff mm -hmm. on trucks and cars and what have you, and that's how big is the truck, where's the thing that we can put it on, is it, you know, is it even, is it uneven? Mm -hmm. So you have all of these constraints and you have these systems that have been evolved over years to deal with this. And web design is very much the same. It can be the same. I mean, if you have a designer that says, I'm building a design system where I have these small pieces and then it becomes a bigger piece and it becomes a bigger piece and everything's just systematized, the sizes, the spacing, the colors, everything is just, it's like a, a toolbox that you can take out pieces and put them together in different ways. And it just fits. Like you use scales in music, right? People say mm -hmm. all blue sounds the same. Well, it's because they're using the same scale. So obviously it gives a tone <laughs> to the music, right? Right. Yeah. And <laughs> so, and that's, if you have the designers like that, it can be fantastic. If you have designers which are just painting a pretty picture, that's just, whew, and they show it to the client, it's the easiest sell ever because that is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, then their job is super easy. And then you just drop it off at your doorstep. Then it's going to be a disaster. Especially if they are the kind of designers that later come around and say, well, I bought this, a smartphone for a dollar and it has Android from the 1970s and then this sure. is 10 pixels off. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, it's so, that's an interesting way of putting it. I guess like the way I would condense that down is like if, when you're designing for the medium, you, uh, you know, and, and that medium being a, a browser, but then also WordPress mm -hmm. uh, a little bit further down the line uh, is that you can probably enable yourself to use the tools in a much more powerful way. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I really liked your, analogy of the old android i always say like i sometimes have clients coming at me and they want to make like a vhs play in a blu-ray player all of a sudden and it's like well yeah i can't make that happen for you i so. i recently had some problems with you know what i'm considering the new internet explorer um which you know for better or worse is is safari i mean it's the same kind of situation where the maker of of the operating system is also making the browser and sometimes things fall behind and they're doing great work in some areas and then other areas is whatever i i'm you know i'm not going <laughs> to knock it it's hard no work of course but 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 i want to uh, i want to get back for for a moment to this idea of you know design and, and handoff and, and and design process i i obviously agree with you okay <laughs> right um you know as as programmers we love systems and 
we you know we thrive on systems and if we're not provided a system when we look at a design we systematize it in our code because that's how code works right um but i think if i want if i would were to play devil's advocate for just you know a moment i think that you know some some designers or just people in general might say that something maybe has been lost um in you know going from you know print style right that's a great way to just describe it a print style design which is very much like you make a thing it's a very static thing it looks beautiful you can do whatever you want um versus this you know really really heavy focus on uh, a system i wonder if you know developing with blocks actually kind of helps maybe bridge that gap a little bit maybe i'm just brainstorming here but um you know if you have you have a design that kind of works within a system but then a really good designer should hopefully know how to break that system and that's what the developers of custom stuff you know focus on those things that are different that break the design or, or providing options or something like that maybe that's uh maybe that's where both ideas can come together right i think it's uh it's interesting when you said breaking the system i think it was so so grids was one of my thing when I was in print design. I was like way into grids. And uh, that's a whole... You, there, is the, there are these, these books on design, and then they show a photo book, and then they show the grid that, you know, the designer actually drew by hand. And then that's how the photos, like, stick in the middle of the page somewhat off, but it still makes sense to you. It's because it's a line on the grid. And then Mark Bolton, I think that was his name, he wrote this article series, uh, I think it was Making and Breaking the Grid, or the idea is though that you have most of the things aligned to the grid and that gives it harmony, especially if the grid is based around, you know, the, the golden ratio, all of these things, which are just humans find visually pleasing. But if it's too, like if it's too much, too aligned, too perfect, kind of it's missing this edge. And the edge can be different things. It can be the colors, it can be the type, which is a little bit off, you know, the, the typeface, or you just position things you know, outside of the grid, but in a way that creates like a dynamic attention in the page where you can feel it. And that's definitely difficult to do if you're dealing with different size of screens because mm, you don't right, have right. this, you know, it's always, it needs to be flowing. And for sure, I think we, we are missing that. So what I see, especially nowadays, which I'm personally I'm kind of, I don't really know what I should be thinking of, but when you look at the design, for example, Gumroad, it's just, it's super pink and yellow. Um, those mm -hmm. are not my colors, to be honest. But I think we're going down that road where it's an interesting typeface. And then the, you know, the, the type and the colors are kind of off, but they still fit because the designer <laughs> did it. And you sure. have this sentiment of unease. And so I think that's how they try and do the, the freshness in the design. So that's because interesting. They're losing yeah. that, that ability to create tension through space, essentially, is what you would do. Hmm. I never thought of it that but way. That's my design of the, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm, not, I'm not into design anymore. Maybe somebody's just shaking their head saying, oh my God, this guy. Well, it's, it's interesting that because, yeah, like, you know, we do need to accommodate different screen sizes. And, you know, we have a bullet point here and I kind of just want to bring it up because it's a problem I have when I'm design, designing inside of the, the block editor. And is like, you know, are the current layout options in the block editor uh, enough right now we don't really have true blue grid support anywhere per se we don't have we have flex in rows and stack but they're kind of limited in um some way that shape or form like you know 
often I find myself working inside of, uh, you know, using the row or stack and I just need to like align some things in a certain way that would maybe be three lines of CSS. And I just can't do it with a block yet without going like maybe three groups deep. And even then it's like maybe still not uh, optimized for mobile. So I'd be curious to hear your take on if you think like with our current offerings of blocks, do you think that we have enough layout options to really, um, you know, provide for clients? Depends on what the design is, but I agree that grids are definitely, uh, that's the missing piece. I know that uh, I know blocks, um, that's like a, an extension, um, like a, a block extension for block themes. I forgot what the name of the theme company is. But yeah, they have a grid block and it works well. Uh, because to me, you can say, well, you can do different rows and this and that, and it looks like a grid, but in CSS, we would take a grid in particular use case, right? You mm -hmm. can do what the grid does in the past, but you see it, I don't know, I can't explain, but you see the design, you're like, oh, that's going to be a grid. Right. And this one is not going to be. And that, therefore, I think grid is definitely missing. Uh, what's also missing is something as simple as negative margins. I don't know whether they allow sure. it now. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. but no, not really. Uh, auto margins and negative margins are still kind of like not a real thing. I'm actually dealing with that. And, you know, let's say a typical design thing. You have a section of a website that is full width, but there's like a little bit of the image that peaks down below into the next part of the website and you know that's a very visually appealing thing to do in design but when you're talking about blocks it's not very uh easy to accomplish like you can maybe do a cover block and like have a full giant background and they kind of like fudge your margins a little bit there is a block that does allow negative margins but it has some limitations also but yeah it's interesting that where the block editor decides to begin and end at times it's like you know they they, they accommodated so many things but then seemingly certain CSS functions that have existed for the longest time just don't quite work yet. <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to bring up that there's, you know, that this conversation happening right now. In particular, there was a, I'm trying to find it because I didn't, I don't have it pulled up here. There was a developer blog entry, the wordpress.org developer blog entry about intrinsic design and theming and, mm, yes. and rethinking oh, yes. how to design with WordPress. And, you know, I, I won't get into all the nitty gritty of what they talked about in that, but like one thing that they took a pretty hard stance on, like, no, we're not we're not going to put breakpoint style controls into core blocks. It's just not going to happen. We're thinking about this in a completely different way where the blocks should be able to adapt to the content context that they're in and not necessarily have to be micromanaged to say do this when you're on this screen size and do this when you're on that screen size so i thought you know and i shared you know this article with the the team here a little while ago and it's very interesting and i really appreciate this kind of mindset and approach to web design just in general overall but i think that um at least right now <laughs> and maybe we'll always feel like this but like at least right now it feels like we're just not quite at the point where it works all the time, or at least for things that we do. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're stuck in some place with design and development and WordPress that you know we, we need to move forward with, and and that's going to involve everybody in the company, design and development, and sales, and everybody trying to figure out like how do we you know not only design sites for this right. system but also sell yeah. this system and design in a way that 
Yeah, intrinsic design sounds utopian, mm -hmm. but it doesn't sound very practical in the reality. You know, the idea that like you can have a block that, oh, I hit one setting, I hit space between, but then on mobile, it looks gorgeous also. It just doesn't seem very realistic. So, um, yeah. I think there's, there's still, to me, it sounds a bit like too much, um, you know, well, this is my view, but, <laughs> you know, oh, this is my view, this is my vision, and then that's that. I think there's, between saying we don't have breakpoint controls and not having, you know, controls to react to changes in screen size, to me, that are two different things, right? One That's is true, fluid, sure. but they still need to do it at a mm -hmm. certain point. Right. And the other is just, yeah, we shouldn't do 500 pixels, 700 pixels, because, yeah, that is unmanageable. But I think it's still, you know, we are still missing responsive behavior uh, controls, images especially react super poor in WordPress to responsiveness unless you do some some work on it. And that's really the part where they can say we have this tool set and it's a restricted tool set. But when you have a restricted tool set, the tools need to be really good. Right? Mm -hmm. So if all you have is pen and paper, you better be a good paper and a good pen. So right now they give you a pen and paper, pen is not really good. So that's I think the problem. Yeah. I mean you can't say this is our vision and as always with WordPress, they say, well, if you don't like it, then create whatever you want on sure. top of this, right? Mm -hmm. That's always the underlying message. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just, we are not yet at the point where we can say, you know, it's going to do this and that because many of the tools which are in there, I mean, they are good enough. And with some workarounds, of course, you can do all of these, you know, fancy designs. But if you want to get to the point where it is, not micromanagement, because you micromanage to work around the limitations of the tool then the tool needs to be a lot better and it needs yeah. to have that all of that you know much more intelligence about what's in the blocks than than it is right now mm -hmm. and i and i think that maybe part of that is that the technology is still pretty new just in, like in the css world right in the in the styling area of this technology that you know um contextual oh gosh now i'm uh, I can't think of the word for the contextual kind of media query stuff that isn't screen size, but it's um, oh the container size yeah container the container query. query stuff. I haven't even Which really I've yet to use one. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't done anything with it yet because <laughs> just because it's, it's so, so new, new and yeah. Right. You, you mentioned something earlier about like, you know, it is amazing that we can extend WordPress and come up with our own solutions, but I also have found that to be, especially if the rapid pace that the, the, you know, WordPress is moving in it to be a dangerous thing, you know, for a moment there, we didn't have padding and margin control. So a whole bunch of plugins came out that added padding and margin controls. And now like, you know, we have a great slider that allows you and theme JSON that allows you to define your paddings and margins and your block gaps and all that kind of stuff. But you know, then, you know, we have these ad hoc solutions that other people came up with and they it's dividing the ecosystem in such a fragmented it was already pretty fragmented like where we have you know maybe older plugins that rely on short codes and now maybe widgets and then maybe uh blocks you're lucky to get a plugin that has a block but then we have an, like even micro fragmentation of like oh this one has blocks but the blocks have like little places to put in your padding it doesn't even use the block gap or anything like mm -hmm. that and it's just it just it's feeling uh, you know i feel like without a proper roadmap and basically just telling people like well this is our philosophy and if you don't like it build your own solutions is micro fragmenting and already fragmented well, even if you have ecosystem. a roadmap if if the feature is not available now what else are you going to do other than 
make a custom solution now. I mean, I think for, for a plugin, that's a product, and then you're you you know, I think lots of these people were rushing to get a product mm, out sure. there that they didn't know would have a solution. You know, my perfect example for this is um, you know, a there was a spacer block that is pretty much rendered useless at this mm-hmm. point, uh, more or less. And then there was also the the spacer block that I used, which was responsive spacer block, which was like I would install that plugin on a handful of my early um, sites because A, it had negative margins, it had responsive padding, which is all basically gone to the wayside now that you can have, um, you know, set all those in the theme JSON. Um, but yeah, if they, I have a feeling if it was like, hey, you know, we're working on theme JSON, it's, we're going to have uh, block gap is going to come to it. You're going to be able to find those settings uh, in the next year or two. Um, I don't think the, a, a developer who would put a bunch of time into building that product, if they knew it would become obsolete in a year, like that's just, especially these even larger ones who are coming out with, you know, suites and of libraries of blocks. Like you install this plugin and you get like 30 blocks all of a sudden with, um, you know, price charts and all this crazy mm-hmm. stuff. And they all have their own crazy settings, their own panel. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm maybe I'm just kind of whining right now, but it just, uh, <laughs> it, it's hard to find quality blocks currently in the, ecosystem and when i do find one i found that it was developed maybe two years ago and it has a whole bunch of settings that just don't make sense anymore and it makes the editing process more complicated than it needs to be especially for my clients who you know are already adapting to a new system that you know before especially if they've worked in wordpress before they just had a had to worry about text and now they have to worry about maybe layout so right but i think i don't think you're whining because when you think about what the vision was for blocks um one of the visions was definitely that it was like the lingua franca of like WordPress. So, mm-hmm. you know, French used to be the language of diplomacy, like way back in the Middle Ages. Right. And for like WordPress is always a product of you have core, you have the plugins and your theme sits on top. But the problem always came that the plugin needs to do stuff to the theme. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's years of everybody being upset at the other <laughs> and, you know, nobody, you know, and then say, okay, you know, blocks are going to solve this problem. And it can... For example, if you have your stars preset in the theme of JSON, you have your spacings and you drop a block in there, it will, you know, it won't look perfect, certainly, but it will look somewhat like the rest of the site. Mm-hmm. And when we have all of these, you know, like suites, whatever you want to call them, like these, sure. these, these collections of plugins with their, no, sorry, blocks with their own customization options, it's just not so, so great. And the thing is that I would always say stay away from these things. But it's, you know, it's a hard sell to, you know, even in just recent history, we've had, you know, people, stakeholders come to us and be like, why can't I just add this block? And then they show it to me and it's part of a huge suite of blocks. And it's like, because it's going to cause more problems than if I just like, you know, made the existing block a little bit better than you installing this one plugin, which then adds a whole bunch of complexity that would have, you know, bogged down the whole website. So um, the tension between yeah. the long-term thinking and short-term thinking kind of maybe a little yeah. bit. Yeah, sometimes. No, I, the thing is that when you give these recommendations, it depends on where you're coming from. Because when I say stay away from it, I know exactly that I can get everything this does and I can do it myself. And it's going to be better. Like, sorry, you know, sure. like a lot of cases. But if you don't know how to do that, you know, you can say, well, I can have this, which is maybe not op- like optimal, but it's there and I have it, mm-hmm. or I can have nothing. So... I probably want to have the stuff that's there, but not, you know, the grades it could be. And to go back to the roadmap, I think the difference is that, you know, 
when you when you work at a certain budget size, you know that they want to keep the website around. Like nobody's gonna drop 200k in a website and tomorrow be like, ah, oh, no, sorry, like need something new. So if you were to have a roadmap, then you can say, okay, I know that at this point I don't have it, but I have a workaround which is more yes. hard coded, but I can get rid of it in no months, years. I don't <laughs> care. I think, but if there is if there's a certain deadline on there where you can know that it's in there, that's I think just generally something that, that drives you nuts is that uh, you have this Gutenberg project, right? The whole project. Yep. Like, well, who's, who's the big honcho? Like, who, who's the boss? Uh, sure. like, well, oh, we have Matthias, mm-hmm. who is, I don't know what his title is. So it's just, it seems to me, maybe that's my Germanic thinking, but I'm like, <laughs> there's a head honcho, then there's somebody underneath thing, and it goes on and on and on, right? Right. And yeah. do you have a plan? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This... And this is just, oh, Phase two. Oh, now yeah. phase two is over. <laughs> By phase two is over, everybody. We're all living in great block world now. Yeah, this is. I'm. I'm glad someone shares my sentiment. This is exactly how you know. I hang out in the issues for the GitHub. Mm-hmm. You know, constantly. I'm in the issues for the GitHub every week for hours because I'm trying to solve problems. Uh, I see the same people. Uh, but even more interesting is I get different responses from different people at different times, like very shortly. And it's like, oh no, that's working expected. And then the next version of Gutenberg comes out and it's actually the complete opposite of what they just said in the issue. And it's mm-hmm. like, who is running the show over there sometimes? I'm just like, what is the what is the roadmap? What are, what are we going to get? What What is going to be feature parodied from core into the REST API? What's going to get feature parodied into to the block editor and i just don't know that so yeah often we're relying on maybe a plugin that someone else built who also had the same information that i did or i'm card coding something and hoping that a better solution comes out uh, you know down the line hoping but like that's not i don't like i don't want to shoestring my code together with hopes that the theme json will get a little better i mean even just a example i ran into last week was like you know i was styling a navigation block inside of theme json and i noticed i couldn't target current item like, so like you're telling me that when I'm on the about page, I can't have the about page underlined. I was like, what is happening here? Like, I, I, that is an insane thing that you like, like oversight, in my opinion, that was like, that is like a default functionality out of every theme that has existed for years. And all of a sudden now block themes just can't do that out of the box unless I go the CSS route, which is fine. But like, we're trying to promote this world where anybody can hot swap their, you know, theme JSON and have a brand new looking theme. Um, you know, with, you know, patterns and styles and whatnot. And now I just can't do that. I have to like, just go to the old school route, which I don't mind. Just tell me that that's never going to come to theme JSON and I'll just stick with my, my SAS. (laughs) I don't think anybody's going to tell you it's never going to come there. I think. No, of course not. I think that what we're. No, phase two is over. (laughs) (laughs) I think that what we're seeing is, you know, a, a natural development of, you know, paving the cow paths, so to speak. Right. Where, you know, even though there are these high-level goals, and we know what the next one is, which is, um, you know, uh, cooperative yep. editing. We want Google Docs yeah. in WordPress. Um, I don't. Did that phase start now? Is that is that what we're on? Um, That's the next one, yeah. Which yeah. you know, by the way, I I did see that Human Made had uh, posted something about doing that already um in a project yeah that's that's a recurring theme uh all right no but it's uh it's kind of uh how can i say that like we do all these things but i'm also bad at it because 
we have this problem, we have the solution. And as soon as it's done, as it's done, I lose any interest in it for some reason. Right. Like when it's done, I'm just, yeah, on to the next thing. And then you are so like in it because you're already thinking about the next thing. And then we do all of these awesome things and we don't even talk about it. And then people come sure. around and say, like, well, you do this? And we're like, yeah, you know, like we did that. You want it? <laughs> I mean, you know, we can do it for you. <laughs> so, but then people are like, oh, I didn't. I think the one thing is where you say, well, you know, if you want to, we can do it for you. But it's more, oh, can you actually do that? We're like, yeah, totally. And I think that's just the, there's a weird way of kind of presenting the project in the sense that we talk about the, the smallest things. You can have box shadows in theme.json. And I'm like, okay, then, you know, why? Great. I mean, I'm not against it, but it's just, is that really the stuff that gets people excited to be able to have a box shadow? Whereas the whole thing that I think we are not really telling especially the agencies that underneath this, like underneath the whole stuff that you see, there's just a ton of APIs yes. and so much potential there to do, you know, things that really can change how your clients interact with WordPress in a very dramatic way and that they would gladly have you do for them. Like publishing checklist is a plugin we have. Mm -hmm. Most basic feature ever, you know, it's, but yeah, great. You couldn't do it well in the classic editor, right? Mm -hmm. It was right. done, but it wasn't, the way it's yeah, now. it was a lot of PHP hacky stuff to make right. sure certain things got done, and it wasn't in real time per se. And yeah, so and that's the thing we're just we're just missing all of these cool uses of you know what's there, the APIs to to make it really appealing. Because I'm sorry, but Google Docs collaboration collaboration, you know, I mean, I know it's a need for clients, but first, it doesn't interest me. The least no, yeah how many people does it interest beyond like the big clients it I has really a wow know. factor it, it's so interesting to me because i remember matt mullenwood bringing up this feature at a wordcamp us in philadelphia which was well pre-pandemic 2016 maybe even like it was just so long ago and i remember just sitting there in the audience and i'm like and he's literally describing it like google docs and i'm just like and i to this day still can't think of a time when i've had more than like two people trying to ever even look at a document at the same time. So it just like, it feels like a weird feature to be so focused on, but you know, maybe if it benefits somebody. Well, while, um, while we're being, you know, critical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's, uh, let's change the, uh, course a little bit. No, here. no, no. I, uh, I want to keep the course. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, so we, we had, um, Frank, we had a, a, a kind of interesting discussion via email that I kind of cut short because I wanted to have this discussion here, right? About, you know, the the sort of the WordPress tech bubble, right? And, you know, yeah, this idea, well, a long-standing really feeling that WordPress is always, you know, behind, it's outdated, it's old news, you shouldn't be doing WordPress if you're new in web development you should be focusing on these other things and mm -hmm. um I just yeah I wanted to get your your thoughts and your take on just that general concept yeah I think that there are two different things um I think that generally when we look at career advice I wouldn't do WordPress uh just because if you go if you are inclined to go to finances big government, everything like that, you can still be a programmer and make more money than in WordPress. And it's not harder to do. But I think that a lot of people end up in WordPress because they are not really made for those environments. They don't want to wear a suit. They don't want to go to an office, you know, all things which you have to do in those, in those industries. So it depends on kind of, if you were to come to me and say, like, you're a young programmer out of university, 
people come to me and say, hey, what should I do? I would say, well, if you want to travel the world and you know, be flexible, then you're not going to go in finances, right? But if you just want to make the most money, hey, go into finances. Right? Mm-hmm. They pay great. I mean, what, what I make now is entry level in finances, right? I could just show up there, rock up there, know nothing, be like, hey, get, get this money. So, <laughs> which is not my thing, but yeah. you know, that's just to mention, it depends on what you want in, in life. But the thing is what, what's I guess more, more worrying about WordPress is that when we talk about, about Gutenberg, kind of the, the pushback is that Gutenberg is not really, it's not really the cause. It's just, it's a, it's a symptoms of the missteps that WordPress has done in the past. Because when we look at where WordPress started out, you know, of course, in the past, we didn't have the options to customize things that we have now. So you did need to customize the code. Mm-hmm. But that changed quite rapidly. And WordPress always just clung on to, well, it's for beginners, it's for this, it's for that. But really, who nowadays starts with WordPress to build their first site or to learn programming? If you sure. learn programming today, it's probably going to be JavaScript, to be honest. Right. Uh, Python, super popular, as beginner language. So, and even as a professional language, to be honest, like a lot of data science on it in Python. But that's kind of a problem that, that we hung on to this, but to the detriment of all, like, of all of the people that are there. And over the years, we had many people come into the space that had good ideas, that were well in line with what the rest of the space did, and that would have been beneficial. It was always well, backwards compatibility, namespaces are too complicated, which I'm like, mm, really, yeah. right, really? <laughs> uh, oh, Composer, ooh, like, yeah. Yeah. and that's the promise, just then these people come, wow. and, yeah. and when they come and they contribute, it's because they see the value of WordPress, that solve the problem for them, and say, hey, this is cool, but I could make it even better. But we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, we don't want you. The WordPress way. So, it's so <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so interesting that you're bringing this up because yeah, I did feel like when the Gutenberg project started and I started seeing this influx of JavaScript developers flocking to the project, it felt like the first time I felt programmers like re- like I, I don't want to say real programmers, that's really <laughs> but um, but like no, they were talking about build tools and you know they were talking about things that I was doing in you know the React world and the in the ad, uh, Angular world you know for a few years before uh, you know the Gutenberg project like st- we started having real conversations around the, that for the Gutenberg project and it felt like the first time that I you know you could have mature conversations about um, you know build processes inside of WordPress and that was like really eye opening. I actually went to like a WordCamp and started noticing Pete, uh, you know, JavaScript developers were literally in line for lunch. And I'm like, oh, wh- you, I could talk about like NPM and not like, you know, pulling down some weird jQuery thing from some random obscure website and shoving <laughs> it into a JS folder and, and queuing it. Like, wow, that's insane. That like, like, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, but I think the problem, we are so focused on JavaScript, but I think we are just missing the elephant in the room, which is PHP, because that was good. PHP that was good. Is, has been yeah. evolving at a rapid rate because it's now, PHP is a new Java, right? Right. Um, so they have a plan for the language, which is a good plan. And WordPress is just, yeah. And so it all went up to a point uh, until now with PHP 8, where we need to, you know, we need to get to grips with it. And right. when you look at just 6.1 and 6.1, when you look at the contributions, um, essentially the whole PHP compatibility is done by, you know, is led by one person like Juliette. And so uh, 
she had in 6.1, I looked it up, she had 105 contributions in 6.1. Now, Automatic had uh, 1,077, but they had 94 contributors. So that would be 21 per person. <laughs> and that was all the wow. stuff that you would, you know, think that Automatic works on, right? right? right. Do good work. So there's just a fundamental lack of all of the, you know, adaptations of, you know, compatibility of WordPress core, the testing tools, the build tools, we, it still runs on 5.6 for some reason, even though I don't know when that got deprecated four years ago yeah, right, right, or something yeah. like that. And, yeah. and those are all missing chances. We just, as a community, we're just too full of ourselves because we say, oh, we have 40% of whatever. And market share is not really, you know, what's that for? You know, if I were to give you $100 for every $10 you give me, I would have 100% market share. Is that a great model? Is that something that we should be after? It's like the, you know, like the, the startup thinking. Oh, we yeah, got it's users. A pretty, it's a pretty marketing number. Right. Yeah. We, our startup has users. Well, it's free. So I hope somebody's <laughs> using it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Uh, and, and so, and for me, it's kind of with, with the JavaScript stuff. It's just, it's just part of the whole deal that we've missed the boat on that. Now, we, for the JavaScript, it's not even that we... I don't think that necessarily the community came to WordPress. It's just we threw money at them. Be like, yeah, you want money? 100%. Yeah, here, here you can get the money. And yep. so is that a really good plan for long-term evolution? I don't know, because actually when we see who works on core, like what we all use, it's a very finite number of people, and there's a lot of people using it. And it's not just that, you know, we talk about five for the future. It's not, I don't think it's very much that People don't want to contribute to it, but a lot of them don't, couldn't even, right? Sure. And so that's, that's a bigger problem. And I think for a lot of the time, um, well, I obviously come from a different culture. Where I come from, like, conflict is really out in the open, right? We have a fight, and afterwards we go for beers. Like, <laughs> you know, if it's business, it's business. We fight. It's all cool afterwards. But WordPress always seemed very much, don't rock the boat, don't say anything and, oh, you are like talking down these people. It's really oh, not. Yeah. I mean, like the bar is this high to ride the roller coaster. If you're under yeah. the bar, you don't get on the roller coaster. What can <laughs> I say? You know, like, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't come up with this. So, but that's kind of people get so upset with the whole, oh, I don't want to learn out JavaScript. I'm like, well, then, then do something else. Like in the future, sure. I'm not saying to leave WordPress, but if right, you're like, right. I don't want to use the stuff that this is made up of. Then yeah, I, JavaScript I has been sorry. part of just the web for so long, and it's and it enables these responsive user interfaces that people expect now on the web. Yeah, that like yeah. there's no way there's no way around it. I mean, I'm I'm grateful for all of the various you know PHP hooks that have been put in to like handle things. You know, I kind of pass things along to JavaScript to do stuff with, but um, I think we have to all come to grips as web developers that like JavaScript is one of the core languages. And PHP isn't actually; it's the server side, but like you're outputting HTML with it, great. But like JavaScript is really feels pretty essential. Well, the thing is more that if you look at, you know, at the end when we look at how WordPress evolved, we came to this point where we knew that WordPress is just one big ball of technical debt by this point mm. because yep. the structural problems were never addressed. Now it's compatible with PHP 8. whatever. Yes, but we never solved the fundamental problems. So what, the, what Gutenberg essentially does is just, hey, we're going to have 
a layer over it, which is called a the REST API. Yes. yes. Yep. And so yep. we hide it, <laughs> we hide it beneath. <laughs> yeah. And so for, because people are talking just, oh, like I can avoid the block editor. Yeah, you can avoid sure. it. But down the line, they are just going to, like WP Admin, look at it, it's PHP scripts, right? Yep. It runs from the top to the bottom, and that's the page. Yep. There's no saving this. So they are just going to replace it wholesale right, right. with the JavaScript application. That's on the horizon. Yep. They have design mockups for it. And nobody yep. says it. It's, it comes no. down to the roadmap, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so uh, Matthias at some point, I think is even like early last year at this point, had put like, here's a proposal of what the backend admin area could look like. And it was a React app. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, that's 100% what it's going to look like in a couple of years. I hope, like, I, I, I want that. Like, that is what it needs to turn into. And it's probably where we should have already been. Like, you know, we talk about how long Gutenberg has been around, you know, four or five years at this point. And it doesn't feel like a four or five year old p product. Like, you know, it feels like it's still, you know, we're, we're starting to finally get like the ball rolling. But if we, yeah, if we were building this exact tool sans WordPress, it would have been like a huge competitor already to, you know, Webflow and all these other ones. Cause we wouldn't have had to deal with, you know, essentially creating PHP endpoints that go into that then get fed into, uh, you know, the JavaScript layer. Um, well, I, I had a very similar kind of maybe even a, I worked for a startup that was a PHP application that did very crazy things. It was a crazy e-commerce. Uh, e and then suddenly overnight, it started making millions of dollars. So all of a sudden they panicked and were like, hire engineers and let's get this thing off of <laughs> PHP. So, but we couldn't. So we had to do exactly what we did with WordPress for a while, where we created a whole bunch of endpoints in PHP and fed it into a React app for a while to just kind of offload the functionality uh, until we could get it onto uh, Ruby on Rails, which then kind of did the exact same thing. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess that's also the danger of keeping up with the technologies, but not in the same way that we're talking about here. Obviously, keeping up with your core technology, PHP, is also important. That's the maintenance work, right? But it's the unsexy work yeah uh, for sure well let, let, let's get uh back to um that gutenberg layer and maybe the positive aspect of all of this <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. which is that and i'm sorry it took us so long to get to, to this but you you know this uh, wp development dot courses website that you have for teaching how to how to do blocks how to do themes with blocks can you can you give us a little you know description of what what you're doing on that site Right, so the site as the name, so the name is kind of weird because it, it didn't really start up with the idea of blocks. It's just uh, a problem that WordPress has is that if you want to find a snippet in how to customize the excerpt, I mean, gazillions of blog posts tell you that. Right. As soon as you go anywhere beyond the basics, there's just nothing. And in the enterprise, you know, everybody wants to hire WordPress developers, the agencies want that, but nobody's really teaching the skills that you need in that environment. So I thought, okay. Why don't you create a website and then you share your knowledge? People are going to pay you for it. It's going to be awesome for everybody. And so the first course I did was on unit testing, which is a need that I saw, which the market didn't see. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I only sure. found out yeah. later that nobody unit tests stuff. They're just like, yeah, and then we trans. I'm like, okay, then. <laughs> so that's kind of, but that's, I was lucky in the sense that this was kind of my first, you know, I spent so much time on it, you know, made it really good. And then nobody bought it. But that's kind of when I, when I came into contact with blocks. And the thing is that when I, when I first saw, saw it working, I was like, okay, this is what we need, right? I was just immediately buying into the vision. 
I said, okay, this is awesome. So let's shift to that because when, you know, my first GoodMap website, the production website was built when it wasn't even in core, mm -hmm. like it was still the plugin. There was yep. nothing out there, mm -hmm. right? It's just a wasteland, <laughs> wasteland of tutorials, like really nothing. So I said, hey, this is going to be a good opportunity, you know, to share this because I want to be part of that success, right? I want to help make this accessible because I think it's definitely a need for it. And so that then came, uh, so I had a, uh, just a few articles and then I shifted to a course when toolset editing kind of became ready. So that is uh, now called the Blog Theme Academy, but it has changed it all because in the beginning it was very much, uh, the course was sequential because you built a blog theme, right? You started blank canvas and step by step by step. And the theme you built was called the Corbusier, it was something that I designed, it was just horrible. But it, it taught you everything, you know, that big picture, what, what you, how you need to shift your thinking to how this works. And so when uh, 5.9 came out, I shifted to, hey, you're going to build the 2022 theme from scratch. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this is awesome because in my view, I always look at the full themes uh, because it's all of the new features that get introduced, they get used in there on the large scale. So if you want to look at how to use something, that's the place to look, right, if it's in there. Again, people don't want that. So I'm like, hmm, okay, what can I do now? And so that's when, I, when it came to me that really what people need is not somebody who teaches them how to build just a block theme, but really how to apply all of these things to their current situation. And so what do I know? Well, I know agency work, right? I know that very well. I know blocks very well. And again, it goes back to what I said previously about you know, human-made building stuff when you think nothing of it. A lot of the things which I consider just the most basic things that you know, I do every day. People don't know that you can restrict the blocks per editor, per user role, per custom post type. I mean, to me, it's type, obvious, yeah. but they're yeah. like, you can do that? I'm like, yeah, you can do that. Like, and that's when I, when I really had the idea of to make the Block Theme Academy very much more for agencies and freelancers. So that it, it still teaches you how to build a block theme because that's kind of the you need to get to that end result to really flip your head away from how you've been doing things to seeing, okay, this is how it works now. But once you understand that, so this is actually the first section of the course, then everything is introduced apart, you know, the settings, the styles, the editors, the blocks, all of that in individual pieces. And then there's a whole section on, well, I can't build a block theme. What hybrid solutions do I have? So that's the block theme Academy. And then after that, uh, so that's something which I recommend that you should probably do before you go to the next step, because I think a lot of people just, they skip right into, I want to build custom blocks and they don't understand like the whole framework around it, like mm -hmm. the big picture, they don't get it. And when, you know, then they complain about why is this this way and that way, it's like, yeah, it's because this, the block just fits into all of these other things. Like it's, it's one thing, it's one harmony. And so for the, uh, for the block development, that's a bootcamp, the block development bootcamp. So in here, you're really um, working with me one-on-one. -on -one. So there's still the course part because, you know, showing you how to build the blocks, uh, you know, there's no benefit in me doing it live. But then you get an assignment is that you need to come with one block or more blocks from your actual agency work. Mm -hmm. Like you need to have the idea, you need to plan it out, and then we get into creating it. And so that's kind of the, the way that approach is very, very practical. So you need to do homework. Uh, so I review the things that you give me. I do code review. We have one-on-one -on -one calls. So that's really the whole program. And the idea is not to 
what some people expect is that I'm going to teach you everything about block development. I'm just like, this is such a huge space. It's just teach me WordPress. I mean, there are things in there that I never touch and I don't need to. So it needs to be something that fits your need. So it's really the, the whole problem is just meant to give you confidence with it, show you the tools, show you the processes, show you the approaches and make yourself sufficient. So that when you leave it, even if it changes because it's phase two or phase whatever, you know where to look. Um, because one part we spend a lot of time is that, oh, I need to have this component. Where do I find it? I say, well, you find it in the interface, then you go to source control, you look into the React developer tools, you find out where it is, you go into the good repository, right? So all these tools which nobody ever explains to people. And that's kind of the, um, the approach that I take. So those are the two um, like direct teaching products. And then I also do a consulting one-on-one -on -one with, with agencies, but that's uh, something where you need to have a specific problem. Right. Also one plugin company. But here, I think it's much, it's much beyond blocks here. It comes more, again, it's something that I consider just normal, but you have agencies that do one big PR with five random features, <laughs> which are just in mm -hmm. there because for whatever reason, right. and nobody does peer review and they don't have CI running and they don't have unit tests. And then they get to the point where it's just thing, like things start to fall apart, they lose control. Sure. And that's a big part of the consultant to say, hey, you know, like one PR, it needs to be atomic, it needs to have good commit messages, there needs to be peer review, you need to have going standards, unit test. So that's something which which I also do. So, but here you need to be at a point where uh, usually these agencies are they they want to enter the enterprise market, but it's like um like an invisible bump that they just hit their head against, right? I'm like, well, if you want to do bigger projects, you cannot get around having proper development processes. Right, right. There are other people which came up with that stuff. Like I didn't invent it. Like the software industry has been around for ages. Uh, testing has been around for ages. <laughs> there is a reason yeah. like why you do it, when you do it, uh, pull requests, you know, code review, all of that. And just, I think that once you get over that hump, uh, also some people are just, they, they think I'm crazy when I tell them how to secure that code. They're like, well, but I don't need to escape this. I'm like, you always escape. <laughs> <laughs> right sure. like yeah. why i'm like well it's not a why you know if it's escaped it's secure if it's not escaped it can be insecure right all these things which sanitizing input some people just don't sanitize input at all right and they're like well nobody ever told me to i'm like that's definitely on us right i mean <laughs> it's in the handbook and it's everywhere but right because they, they might even copy paste code of existing yeah, plugins. Yeah. No, I, I was just thinking, you know, ACF last year, we had an episode where a lot of their code examples were not escaping there. I think there's a lot of assumptions that maybe that was happening, uh, you know, in the, the, the field or get the yeah, field or whatever kind of it was. Um, I think we were all assuming it was happening a little bit upstream and we to find out it wasn't. And then all of their examples weren't escaping any of their, you know, um, stuff. And yeah, I mean, the amount of times, you know, I've copied and pasted that, not <laughs> understanding that and then, you know, have to go back and really fixing a lot of codes Oops. that way. So, yeah. Yeah, but so th this sounds really refreshing because I mean, as someone who's you know Googled you know build block themes, build blocks, and I've basically found uh, half a dozen tutorials that essentially land me on making a uh, a less useful paragraph dynamic block, <laughs> uh, and then not feeling any smarter about it. Um, it has not left a good taste in my mouth for courses, but this seems pretty holistic in your approach and you know, very refreshing, um, especially if it's designed for. 
um, you know, you're saying agencies, but I would say if you're a developer, if you're just a developer building things for, um, you know, WordPress and you're trying to do it modern, it sounds like these courses would be very beneficial to mm -hmm. you. So I, I know that we're stretching the limits of our time. Um, I don't know if you've got places to be, but I would love to, no. to get into, <laughs> um, I'd love to get into one other, uh, topic that's very intriguing to me and that, um, you know, to be upfront and honest about it, I don't, I don't have a, I have a little bit of experience in, but, um, you know, it's not something I do very often. A lot of what we've been talking about here has been, you know, doing things the WordPress way, but not in a, you know, in a sarcastic way, right? Like there, there's some things that are done that way just because as we've talked about, they need maintenance work <laughs> to bring up to speed, but I'm, I'm talking more like, okay, using Gutenberg, you know, and that kind of idea and blocks the way they're intended, right? That's kind of, that's the new WordPress way, right? But there's, there's another um, topic that I've seen you talking about recently on Twitter um, about custom database tables and you know I, I i find that interesting because part of part of the whole concept of the wordpress way is also to not as often you know as much as you can not do custom database work or at least it seems that way and instead you know here here are these apis for creating custom post types and you know handling everything in the posts table and I hear that you have a different different idea about that. Yeah, so but again, that's kind of um, a topic which I've spoken about before. And it's very, very controversial. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk something bad about ACF, like you're dead in the water anyway. People will just want to kill you. Then next up will be like <laughs> post matter, right? If you say anything bad about it, people are just going to come for you. And so the thing is always that I think for me, pragmatism is very important. Like it's one of the things that actually you know make me good at my job. So I'm saying, if you like, the thing is that even, right, let's say you have a site and just use this post meta like the wrong way, as I would say it, mm -hmm. and it gets some traffic. Even shared hosting in WordPress nowadays is so ridiculously overpowered that you're not going to have a problem, right? So the thing is that if that's the case, you get, you get by with a lot of things. But again, when we talk about going into the enterprise mm -hmm. or it's, it's, it's a weird word, but if you if you build sites that get traffic, right, mm -hmm. like significant, I'm not talking like New York Times traffic, but like serious traffic, then it just there's, there comes a point where just your server bills are going to spike, and then it comes to a point where it just falls over because there's just you know if there are inefficiencies in the system, you can throw resources at it for a certain time, mm -hmm. and then at a certain point, does your server just fall over dead? And so the thing is that when we talk about WordPress, uh, again, this is one of the things which they never addressed. So WordPress started out with a great data model for a blog and even a great data model for a CMS. And they had, you can argue about the APIs if WQuery is a really good API, the, the post model thing, but straightforward enough that people understand. So that was fantastic. And then at some point, the project, I don't know who, decided that they're not going to add any more tables. So you have only so many tables in there. Mm -hmm. You have new stuff. So you find a table that it fits in. And that was WP Posts. Right. So like WordPress stores, of course, your articles in there, mm -hmm. which makes sense. 
Then it's kind of, well, custom CSS in there, menu items in there, WP templates in there, WP template parts in there, embeds, I think, or those cache and meta, I don't even know. But just this, just WP post just came everything, you know, if it's not a user in a term or an option, it goes into post. And so post though, it's not a bucket that's big enough for you to fit all of the stuff because they're limited, right? It's a database table. Then like, okay, what is the overflow for my bucket? Well, it's post meta. And post meta is even better because it's a free for all. People are like, well, this is pretty awesome. So <laughs> they put everything in post meta. Then WordPress says, hey, you know what? Well, at a certain time, it was still in my time when they introduced that to say, hey, you can query against post meta, like officially. People are like, awesome. And yeah, it sounds too good to be true because I don't know if you ever worked with the DBA. I had the pleasure of meeting a few. Like, uh, the DBA, the only job is to design the database. When WordPress are like, who needs that, right? Because it all works, obviously. And then we found out, well, it doesn't work because post meta is just, when we go down to the foundations, WordPress uses SQL. It's called the structured query language, right? Mm -hmm. Post meta is just, the value is text, long text. Right, a string. Yep. So which is not how SQL works. The thing is you have different fields, which are a different type and the queries that you can do, I mean, your bank runs the stuff on SQL, like so many companies run stuff on SQL and books, fantastic. And we think we don't need it, we just query against text. So that's kind of the problem where any, that's kind of the, the big hurdle to get over. If you get into the enterprise world, you see so many things out there which are normal, and every, like everybody in quotes uses it, but as soon as you do it, it just doesn't work. Like, I'm sure there's a post counter plugin on WordPress.org that just on every page of writes to post meta how often the post has been viewed. Yeah, probably. And people are like, well, oh, yeah. it works awesomely. And we're like, eh, yeah. you know that the page probably from, comes from the edge cache. So, Frank, I'm gonna let you know something. Right? I have I have written that script that has done that. Like like years ago, I have definitely like, oh, I need a most popular post. Well, every time someone views it, let's just do a little ticker. It goes to post meta, and then I'll just query on that. And yeah, like I'm not proud of it, but it happened. <laughs> right, but that's that's because it's not. If you were if you were to say look, post meta is really for all the stuff that doesn't fit into WP WP posts, right? You need sure. to have meta information. You put it in there. People be like, yeah, I understand that. But it has just become this free fall. And mm -hmm. that's, I think, the, the kind of the danger of the ecosystem comes around is that because WordPress, you already are removed from what it is that you're dealing with. And to my surprise, you know, whenever a site is slow, what I do, query monitor, I look at the queries. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, like queries? And we're like, yeah, you know, underneath all of it, in the end, it, it is a query. So they don't even understand that, but then there's a level on top where it's a plugin that you don't even know where it goes. And the plugin tells you, hey, I have a related post feature like post-to-post -post relationships, works fantastic. You're like, awesome. Like I pay 69 bucks, whatever it costs. And sure. they're all problem solved. And then it's really not. And to explain that to somebody is, is really hard. And so that's, I think, the, the big disconnect for you know, if you work in a normal agency and you're a senior in the, I don't know, normal is maybe a bad word, but if you work on low traffic sites and you're a senior, you know it everything. You come to an enterprise, you're maybe a junior, if mm -hmm. you're lucky. Mm -hmm. Because you have so many things to learn, like people don't know what an edge cache is, probably they don't have an edge cache. You know, the whole hosting deal, then it goes to, well, the big sites all use Elastic, right? Yeah. 
and they're like, sure. what's elastic? Oh, yeah. and then like all these things, right? And just there's just a, a big disconnect uh, between how the enterprise does it and which is the right way to be performant under traffic and secure. Right. And then where the rest is. And it's then it's not really great for the developers if you think you know it and then you get to a point where you you find out you really know nothing. And also for the clients are great. I mean, that's because, my entire career, honestly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is normal. I mean, but if nobody tells you, yeah, like right, it's the right. unknown unknowns, like a rum cycle or whatever. Is that the Dunn-Kruger effect or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But the other part is that more that, uh, as you said previously, your client comes and says, I want to use this plugin. We're like, no. And sure. then, and you, then you're the party pooper who doesn't want this plugin because of whatever you know. Whatever right, you don't do. want a quick yeah. solution. It's a, it's a sixty dollars solution. You're saying it's going to take you forty hours to develop it. That's going to be thousands of dollars. And you know, why can't we just hit install? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, you know, years ago I had you know a ginormous site, tens of thousands of posts, multi-site, and yeah, I eventually had I hooked it up to Elastic and had to start doing indexing because it was just becoming a nightmare to do certain tasks in WordPress. And that was my first foyer into, you know, trying to figure out the, the, a more correct way of handling large amounts of data. Um, but it is amazing how much you can get away with um, on smaller <laughs> websites. So. Right. But I think it's also when you, when you then come, so I've been a project lead uh, on a lot of stuff. And so then you, you have this requirement for post to post relationships. So you have two choices, use post to post, which somewhat ish works. And you're like, nah, if it's just like one or two features that use, I'm not going to go through the headache of that. And so then what you do, so what we next up? Okay, so we build a website for a UK newspaper, like huge newspaper. Straightforward, articles are posts, uh, the main navigation are categories underneath, subcategories, great. We get to sports. They're like, well, sports is different because that's football. They're like, oh, okay. So when you're inside of sports, football, there is a club man, uh, navigation. So all the clubs in the Premier League are there. And they needed to have capabilities to like write, like build these pages essentially. So it would need to be a custom post type. But they also want to show all of the articles which they wrote about that football team on that page. Related to it, yep. Classic solution would be, oh, post meta. We're going to like, no, like we need to have some a different solution. And then it's a shadow taxonomy. Essentially, the way it works, you have a private taxonomy and it shadows the post type. So you create a new post, new term in the taxonomy, right? Delete it, change it. So the taxonomy just follow whatever the post type does. And that way, they just create a new football team, people will fit in the info. And then on the article screen, if they select sports and then they select football, DUI pops up and they just see the terms. And that's how WordPress knows you know, what's related to Arsenal, Liverpool, whatever is in there. Which is, if you're explaining to people like that, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But the first time they hear it, they say, you, you're totally bananas. You know, why would this need to be this way? I'm like, well, it works perfectly. No, yeah, I mean, I, exactly what you described, like, you know, I'm look, working through how I would maybe think about building it. And yeah, you would make, let's say you're using ACF or post to post or just doing some kind of hand rolled system. You know, I would think like, okay, yeah, I'm going to just relate the post to the other post type. And I have like a bi-directional, uh, you know, relationship. But now I'm querying all of the articles every time I need to find uh, you know, the relationship, you know, on either or, and it's like, you know, adding a whole bunch of overhead that is, you know, the idea of a shadow taxonomy makes, mm -hmm. you know, a lot more sense, but then you have to like do this, like, you know, making sure everything stays up to date and is like working with each other. But yeah, it's like a way 
more elegant solution than just trying to do either a one-to-many or trying to figure out how to relate them to each other. Well, the thing is that you need to do all that work. The beauty is mm -hmm. the shadow text only means maybe like the whole architecture is maybe 300 lines, 250 mm -hmm. tops. Yeah, sure. Right. So I'm like, hey, 250, I can bang this out in like, a, like an hour, right? So, <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. when you have the concept, you've done it once, now it's a tool in a tool belt. Right. And you see a situation, you're like, um, hopefully not an example. Oh yeah, TechCrunch has uh, developing stories where they start with a story and then, it, you know, they need to attach other posts in there. And TechCrunch has this, like, they call it the river where it expands in line. So usually it's just one article, but when it's a developing story, all of the articles expand in the river. They need to be sorted. Well, we see the design. What do I do? Of course, shadow taxonomy works perfectly, right? <laughs> I take the same code <laughs> previously, <laughs> change a few things, and then, you know, it works. It works beautifully. But it's just, it's the thing where we can be proud how clever we are, you know, and how this is all super performant. But really, though, it again shows that WordPress should have had object-to-object relationships for a long time, and it just didn't do it. Because if that would have been the case, we wouldn't have to do these weird solutions with, you know, shadow taxonomies. And people would even, they wouldn't even do the post-meta thing if there were better like solution inside of WordPress. That's I think the the most egregious part about it. I'm this is this is gonna have me thinking for a while. I it, yeah, if no, I distill that I feel like maybe great. the the takeaway, at least for temporarily for the time being, is if you can handle it via taxonomies instead of post meta, you probably should. All right, well we're really over time now. So unfortunately <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut us short. Um but this has been a, a really fascinating conversation. I'm I'm very glad that you reached out to to us to talk about some of these things that we haven't really talked much about yet on the podcast so i really appreciate you bringing this you know this perspective here and uh you're gonna have me you're gonna have me rethinking you know how, how i'm doing the next project so um hopefully uh, maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll have you back to talk about more stuff because there's so much more that we wanted to talk about yeah, if you'll have us, we'd love to have you back, probably, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Well, it was a great conversation, especially to hear. You know, I like to hear what other people are struggling with. That's all for this episode. Thanks to Frank for reaching out to talk about some things that we don't really hear enough about. If you've got something to talk about, reach out. But first, follow Frank on Twitter as FKLux and WPDevCourses. Check the episode description for links to things we mentioned in the show. In particular, wpdevelopment.courses. There is an affiliate link in the description if you want to take a course and you'd like to support this podcast while you do it. As always, don't forget to send your questions, thoughts, and fan mail to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as in the loop underscore WP. If you're interested in having a WordPress website custom-built, or you want to join a team that does that, head over to our site at blackbird.digital and drop us a line. Thanks for listening to In The Loop. See you next time.